Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Star Wars 7x7, episode 1345. Today, I'm unpacking the epilogue from the series finale of Star Wars Rebels. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So let's unpack that epilogue in the series finale of Star Wars Rebels here, shall we? We're going to talk about everything except the Commander Rex business, because that thing is going to involve its own discussion. So Sabine looking out on the capital city of Lothal. First of all, oh my gosh, has that city thrived in the absence of the Empire? I mean, at least four years later, and it looks like a city on Krypton, for pity's sake. It's pretty amazing how well it's developed since the Empire was kicked out by the Rebels. And those opening shots of the epilogue with Sabine looking out over the Lothal landscape and looking out at the city in the distance and then taking a speeder out to the city, very reminiscent to the actual opening of Star Wars Rebels where Ezra was looking out over the city from his little tower and taking a shuttle out to go see what was going on in the city. And the reason why Sabine leaves, of course, is a little bit different. In her case, it's because two X-Wings and a Jedi T-6 shuttle are flying over the planet and heading to the capital city. And that is enough to warrant her taking off and being escorted by a couple of Lothwolves in the process, too, which was also a neat little return to see. So who knows how long they've been hanging out with her. And since she says that she was on the fall protecting it and that the Empire never returned to the planet and this epilogue is taking place after the Battle of Endor, she has to have been on the fall for a minimum of four years and we still don't yet know how long the events of the original Star Wars, aka A New Hope, take place after the events of the series finale of Rebels. So at least four, as many as five or even six years that she was on Lothal and standing watch as Ezra sort of kind of asked her to do, but didn't really, just said, I know I can count on you. And that was all he said. And she's like, but what? What does he mean by that? Anyway, so she realizes after all this time that there may be something else to do now that the Empire has been soundly defeated. And that something else to do is to go find Ezra Bridger and save him from whatever fate may have befallen him since the end of the finale. Now, we're presuming that he is still alive since Ahsoka is showing up to pick up Sabine. And you would theorize that if he had passed away, if he had died, then there would have been some ripple in the force that would have suggested to Ahsoka or somebody else, you know, Luke Skywalker perhaps, that he had gone, but that clearly hasn't happened. So that's why this is going on. And of course, everybody in social media, everybody, you know, tons of people on social media are already calling for an Ahsoka Sabine series that that should be the next one. And Dave Filoni's response has kind of been, you know, I haven't been thinking about that yet, but whatever series it's going to be, I need to know what the story is going to be before I tell it. So I think he's being a little coy about that personally. I think he already has an idea of what's happening next. And 
there was a photo that he posted on Twitter of a ton of the people who worked on Rebels and he expressed his gratitude for it and said, now it's time to begin again. And that to me says, all right, you know, they already have stuff that they have in the works. And so maybe they're a little bit further along than Dave's actually really telling us. We also learn that Hera and Commander Rex fought at the Battle of Endor, but that's as much as we get about that. They are very, very limited in the amount of information they're sharing in that regard. And the whole Commander Rex thing, like I said at the top, we'll talk about that in the next episode. But the big news is that Hera and Kanan apparently found time to canoodle together because there is a new addition to the family, Jason Sindula. And on Star Wars' website, it is spelled J-A-C-E-N, so that has to be a nod to Jason Solo, who would be the son of Han and Leia. It makes you wonder if we're going to see a Jaina anytime soon, but... We have a uh, three, four-year-old, roughly, Jason Sindula, and so far, no indication of whether he's a Force user, but people are speculating as to whether he might end up in the Jedi Academy that Luke was building when Kylo Ren tore everything up, and if that's really the case, then the next big question is, is he one of the students that died, or are we going to find out that he's one of the Knights of Ren? Ooh, that should be interesting. And we also get a bit about Zeb and Agent Callus. That Zeb, after the war, took Agent Callus through a secret hyperspace path to the planet Lyrason, where the survivors of the Lasat species settled. Now, backing that up for a second, there's no mention of the fact that Zeb actually fought at the Battle of Endor or what his situation was with the rebels, though it seems like he is on a rebel transport when they show this scene. So maybe it is the case that he's still with the Rebels, just was doing something else. I presume not all of the Rebels were at the Battle of Endor. There were probably ones off somewhere else. So anyway, they go on the secret hyperspace path, and Kallus learns that he did not actually eradicate the entire Lasat species, and that they are thriving on their new homeworld, which is a beautiful little ending to their relationship, which started as so incredibly vitriolic at the beginning of the series, and then they found their grudging respect for each other, and then Callus started seeing how bad the Empire really was, and eventually became a spy, and then converted over to the Rebels full-time, and yeah, it's come full circle with their relationship. And so that was a neat and touching coda to the series as well. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, something unrelated to Rebels, in fact, related to episodes 9 and 8 and 7. And I don't know why this isn't getting major coverage, but we'll talk about it in a second. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. No sponsor on this episode today, so I just have a favor to ask instead. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do. So please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So here is the thing. On March 2nd, IGN ran a story saying that Daisy Ridley claimed J.J. Abrams has written early drafts of episodes 8 and 9, that he had actually done it way back when he was writing The Force Awakens, but that none of that material actually got used by Ryan Johnson for The Last Jedi. Here is the translated quote. 
She says, here's what I think I know. J.J. wrote episode seven as well as drafts for eight and nine. Then Ryan Johnson arrived and wrote TLJ entirely. I believe there was some sort of general consensus on the main lines of the trilogy, but apart from that, every director writes and realizes his film in his own way. Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams met to discuss all this, although episode eight is still his very own work, Ryan's very own work. I believe Ryan didn't keep anything from the first draft of episode eight. So this seems incredible, especially when you consider that there had been interviews in the past saying, well, you know, we wrote seven and we weren't worried about where eight or nine were going. And then Ryan Johnson shows up and says, no, I wasn't given any direction for where eight or nine should be going. And so I've just written it and I have no idea where nine's going and they can do with it whatever they want is essentially the, you know, the basics of what every single interview that we've seen to this point has said about how 7, 8, 9 were constructed, which has led to me talking about how this doesn't feel like a trilogy so much as a set of three movies because there doesn't seem to be any defined story arc necessarily, and it doesn't sound like from anything we've heard before that they had a set arc in mind for all of this. But Daisy Ridley's interview comments here utterly blow that thought out of the water. It goes counter to everything we've been hearing for the last three plus years about the construction of the sequel movies. And if this is actually accurate, if this is the case, then Ryan Johnson did have some boundaries within which he had to have worked for the creation of The Last Jedi. It couldn't have been an utter and complete free-for-all. And of course, it's not going to be an utter and complete free-for-all, right? Because Ray is not going to fall to the dark side and murder thousands of people or anything like that. Kylo Ren is not going to rain fire down from the sky. You know what I mean, right? Within reason, some things obviously are <laughs> not going to happen. We're not talking about the crazy stuff or anything like that. But apparently Ryan Johnson did have some boundaries within which he had to work. And I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Share them at the comments at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you try to rescue the Chancellor, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not a scheme by a grievous, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.